0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 51st episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a local news reporter and a mom, but her greatest superpower of all is being a true crime lover, too, which is how we first bonded together, actually, um, when we first met not too long ago. Um, My guest co-host this week is Grayson Gordon. Hello, Grayson. How are you doing? Doing
1: great, Liam. So happy to be here here, and I feel like I need to take you around with me to kind of hype me up and introduce you
0: to people. <laughs> yes. Goodness. Yeah. Oh, I, I charge a modest fee for oh, that, okay. Um, okay. That's for fine. sure, so we can make that happen. That is completely yeah, yeah. fine. But, but, you know, Grayson's, you know, a loyal Crime Over Wine listener, and so obviously I had yes. to bring her on, so I'm so excited to have you on this week, Um, and we have quite a case to talk I'm about, um, Grayson. So let's, but before we get a little too ahead of ourselves, as much as I want to get there, no. we have wine to talk about. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about some wine. Um, so this week we are drinking Mary Taylor's Bordeaux Rouge. It is a signature blend of 50% Merlot and equal parts Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon. It possesses much of the dark-fruited complexity that made Bordeaux famous in the first place. So and we were just talking about how I – this is the first Bordeaux I'm doing on this podcast. Yeah. I don't know how, but it is, and so I'm really excited to do it.
1: Yes, and I promise. I didn't already drink some of it I was letting it aerate a little bit because I like mine a little bit so I did take the court off but I haven't poured any yet okay so here's the first pour okay
0: love that for you i you're much better than I am um, I always um you know save save the bottle open um, for for on the podcast mostly because I love to hear. You know, yes, the sound I'm talking yes. about. You know, I love that pop sound. The best. Um, so I like to, I like to savor it. Um, But I do one, you know, if I'm, if I'm drinking recreationally and, and not purely professionally, um, I always let it aerate just to be clear. So I don't always let it show, but I do, I am an aerator yes. because I know, because I, you can taste the difference. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. There's no doubt. For sure. There oh, it is. Oh wow. that's was a good
0: one. What a sound. It was a good one. It was a good one. All right. So let's pour this bad boy up and get this board dope flowing. Mm. Cheers to you, Drayson. Thanks so much for coming on. Mm. Oh, very berry. Yes. Oh, wow. Ooh. So many flavors.
1: And it's, and I I usually like the drier side, but it's not too dry. It's that Mm -hmm. perfect kind of in between. And I can taste the berry in it for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Berries are strong for sure in this. I, it is very, it's bold for sure. On the drier side, 100%, which you kind of would expect from a Bordeaux for the most part. Right,
1: right. This is one of my mom's favorite types that we usually get. So I've drank plenty oh, yeah. of these growing up.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I um I am I'm really interested in Um, And again, everyone knows I love those big, bold flavors, but I'm really interested in wines that have those big, bold, dry flavors, um, but also like are really good about still implementing a lot of those fruit flavors in there, too, because typically fruity, you know, to me anyways, um, equals sweeter. Right. Um, And so I usually that doesn't usually work for me. But this is is teetering on that line, I think, very, very well.
1: Yes. And it's really it's interesting because it is a drier one but the berries makes it super yeah. easy and light to drink so I, yeah as, i yeah. agree
0: it's adding something to it instead of like you know like making it an either or situation Yes, for sure that's really nice um, no I, I really like this one I think um, I am very interested to see how it's going to open up throughout this episode yes um, when we when we circle back around because everyone knows I like to circle back around and like you know and, and get it a little bit um, toward the middle of this episode um, and so I am going to be real we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about not only um, for the wine right for when we right. w- when we come back to this wine this case Grayson we have so much to discuss oh, so wow. i hope listen every, no one can no one can you know see grayson right now she's sitting outside for this podcast <laughs> um in december um and so Dication. I'm
1: we're,
0: like i'm just letting you know like i hope you got a whole lot of blankets because you're gonna need them for to to get through everything that we're gonna have to discuss for this episode because man oh man that's all i have to say Ooh,
1: excited Excited. Yeah,
0: well, this week, Grayson, I want to tell you a case that I can promise you, you will not be able to stop thinking about once all is said and done. It seems like a fairly straightforward case, but then there are some truly left field turns that we are going to take that has taken this whole investigation into a totally different direction. This week, I want to tell you the story of Mary Botaraco and the missing Chevy Cavalier. For this week's story, we are going to travel to Sherman, Connecticut, and you all know how connected I feel to cases near where I grew up or have lived in, and Sherman is a quiet town, only about 30 minutes from where I grew up in New York, right over the border, about 30 minutes north of Danbury, Connecticut, and Danbury is where Mary Bataraco grew up. She went to Danbury High School, but dropped out at the age of 16 to marry her first husband, with whom she had two daughters, Beth and Sherry, but she divorced him just a few years later simply because he just wasn't the one, right? Gotta respect that to a certain extent. Mary made a life for herself, though, and was doing just fine on her own. She was independent, strong, really didn't need any man, right? And she thought that for a while, until she met Dominic Bataraco at a bar that Dominic had owned, and the two hit it off right away and got married in 1970. By August 1994, so 15 years almost into their marriage, she was 38, loved painting and drawing, and was working as a bartender and a house cleaner, and life was pretty good for her for the most part. Her older daughter had just had a baby and she loved her grandchild more than anything. Sherry had just gotten engaged too and she was looking forward to that wedding, obviously. But, you know, sometimes looking at someone's life from the outside in maybe rosier and brighter than what it actually looks like on the inside. Dominic had a bit of a violent tendency. According to Mary's daughters, Dominic was straight up an abuser, and the two had a pretty stormy relationship as it's been described. Dominic would often hit Mary, and during the worst of it, Mary would take her two daughters and run away from him, but as the daughters told the news times, Dominic would always find them and bring them right back
1: okay wow we've got a, a lot going on at the age of right. 16 she's married she has two kids and then she gets divorced and then by the age of 38 she's married again and been married for a long time and has now one of her daughters expecting like that's all of this yeah. to lead out that's a lot of life to live in 38 years right there yeah
0: so yeah just about right and like to be so to be clear so she met her she met her first husband at 16 they didn't get married though okay, until okay. until a little bit while later so yeah so it wasn't that young but it was still very yes, very young yes. um for for that note but yeah no but a lot i threw a lot at you right, right yes. over right at the front so like if that i'm really setting the tone for the rest of the story 100 yes. but you know so, so again so let's like like recap here right like we're talking about like a you know strong independent woman who is now finding herself in a really abusive, bad situation, Um, and so... Things are rocky, right, inside the Botterocco house. And so there's, again, it's, we're just it's, we're just scratching the surface here, though, Grayson. So definitely hold on tight to that glass. And, yes. you know, again, domestic violence can look different and can be hard to see and believe and get away from. So if you believe you or someone you know and love is in need of help, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. We are, as always, going to put that number on our website and in our show notes, too. Well, not only, though, you know, going back to Dominic here, you know, not only was he a pretty violent person, but Mary had just recently found out that he wasn't entirely faithful to her either. Dominic was having an affair with another woman, and Mary was actually getting ready to divorce him over it.
1: Okay, wow. So, not only is this man being danger to her and her children, but also mm-hmm. now he's not even being faithful to her.
0: Yeah. Which I feel like you see oftentimes in those types of situations, right? Because like those that aggression just gets like pent up so much that you take that you end up you end up having an affair. Um, you know, that that happens a lot of times with abusive situations, for sure. I I have no like statistics to back that up, but just anecdotally speaking.
1: Right. And so Mary's got a lot going on now and yeah. she is I mean she seems like a really awesome strong woman when you're saying independent oh, yeah. on there so well
0: and like good for her too right for like for frankly like if if the you know domestic violence wasn't enough to, to like make you want to leave him like at the very least the, the affair was and so she's like you know st- she's standing up for herself at this point like finally like she finally like, like saw where the line was and he crossed it for sure. Um, Well, in August of 1984, Mary's two daughters were well aware of the problems Mary and Dominic had been having, and they were speaking to their mother on a really regular basis. Sherry, you know, got a call, though, from Dominic's daughter, who he had from a previous marriage and who was also recently engaged, too. Well, Dominic's daughter tells Sherry that Dominic wanted to speak to the both of them about their weddings. And that's when all of a sudden, right, it hit Sherry. That it was kind of odd that Mary wasn't the one who was calling Sherry about this and that Dominic wanted, you know, didn't want Mary to, to reach out to Sherry about this. And that Sherry actually hadn't heard from her mother in a while. In fact, when she thinks about it and compares notes with her sister Beth, she hadn't heard from their mother in more than a week. So the next day after work, Sherry drives over to her mother's house and is surprised that no one greets her when she arrives because that was something Mary always did as soon as she pulls into the driveway. And when she goes to the door, no one is home, not even Dominic. That's especially odd, too, right? Because her mother's car, her Chevy Cavalier, is still in that driveway. But what's even more odd is what Sherry begins to notice as she inspects the car more closely. She notices that the car's front driver's side window is totally smashed in.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I'm just thinking my mom is very much, whenever I would drive, I used to work a late shift and I would drive overnight to come see my parents about two hours away. And my mom was always in the driveway waiting for me. And so that would have been an immediate red flag. If, especially if I haven't heard from my mom, if that was her routine, like it was for me and my mother. But then Mm -hmm. seeing that I cannot imagine how she felt the, heart dropping whenever she right. sees that and then the window smashed in right
0: well and like not it was not a normal thing by any stretch of the imagination right and like but to like like if she's not home and her car's in the driveway like where the heck is she you know what I mean like granted she could be out with Dominic sure but like if she's supposed to be there like everyone's supposed to be there then where are they you know and like definitely window smashed in is like red flag of the century 100,000% right but like there also could be a logical explanation hypothetically speaking at the same time
1: so do we know what happened to the window
0: well Dominic actually comes home not long after Sherry arrives at her house and the two start chatting about the elephant in the room right like her mom not being around and the fact that her car window is smashed in and Dominic says that Mary had left He got home on August 20th and she was gone. The day before, they had apparently you know, gotten into some sort of argument. Mary had confronted Dominic about his affair that she just found out that he was having and the two got into it when Mary told him she was going to leave and Dominic even agreed to give her $100,000 in cash that they had saved up in the house together as an informal settlement to them parting ways, to them breaking up. And Dominic admits actually to smashing in the window out of anger during this whole exchange too. Wow,
1: okay, so this is a whole situation of the interaction between them, but then also he's trying to kind of seem like he's trying to smooth over things with Mary and kind of just right. move past it all with the, right. with that settlement. With the
0: daughter? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, so true, right. And, and, well, and I have a couple questions about that, too, but, yeah. like, the fact that he, like, first of all, like, you're clearly unhinged, right, if you if you are, are smashing windows, right? Like, so let's, like, talk about that. Like, that is not a normal thing to do, right? to be crystal clear. Um. But also, um the fact that he, like, owns up to it, right, is, is like, a little, like, I can't tell if it would be more reassuring or more alarming right because it's like if you're like you're admitting to it as though it's like okay that you smashed in this window like that's red flag of the century right right um but also the fact that you are owning up to it is kind of like okay well maybe there isn't anything weird here if you're just like okay with with that you know yeah so i don't know i don't really know what how i would end up feeling about that
1: well also i know Sometimes I've seen with watching true crime that when somebody is guilty, they try to kind of insert themselves and be overly Mm -hmm. cooperative. Right.
0: They cooperate
1: as much as they can. And uh, so I wonder if that maybe was just trying to make him seem not guilty I don't know but yeah. maybe that
0: oh no I could totally see that right and that would make a logical amount of sense to me if if it was just like yeah like there's no there there like I got angry I smashed the window everything's fine right and like w- like and, and it almost kind of takes the attention a little bit away from the fact that Mary's not there right. um, because if, if you're just okay with just breaking windows you know but so then also I have so many questions about this cash about this settlement yes. thing right and like also keep that in mind because it's going to come up much later on okay um but like the so but so like who has a hundred thousand dollars in cash just like like hanging <laughs> around you know yes. like that is not money i keep in my sock drawer by any means you know that yeah. i mean granted it's you know before you know atms really became popular but they were still around right it's like the banks were there i don't know it's just bizarre to me i'm like you like why do you just have that it tucked away yeah and are just like okay was well, are just giving it up Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel that does not sit well with me. Yeah, I
1: don't like that at all. Honestly. No. So no, 0%. this interaction, what is Sherry thinking about all this? Well,
0: Sherry actually mostly believes it, Grayson. And she's kind of like overcome with emotion at this time, like as, you can, as I'm sure you can imagine. Just like really upset that her mother would just take off without saying a thing, even at just the, at the idea of it. And it just wasn't like her at all to leave without a word or telling her daughters where she was going or how long she'd be gone for. Well, Dominic asks Sherry to clear out all of her mother's belongings from the house. And she says she would, you know, do it in a few days. Dominic also tells Sherry something kind of interesting, Grayson. He tells Sherry not to tell anyone about her mother leaving, not even her sister, and especially not police.
1: Okay, red flag. If, I don't know, if anybody tells me not to tell my sister something. Right. I mean, I have a sister, so I get that. But if anybody's like, yeah, no, don't tell this person. That's super close and would be... Suss about it too then adds, yeah. that's yeah
0: no well but like why not is my yeah. first question right it's like if if like if my mom my like, mom's not here like like where like what what am I supposed to tell my sister is she's like hey have you heard from mom you, you know what I mean right. like, I don't like I don't know like why would you go out of your way like what like I just don't understand what th- the thinking was and like to his credit I suppose like she ends up listening to it like she like she doesn't yeah. tell Beth right away But it's just... I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I I, I don't understand, like, why that would be... The thing but i also and i never even consider this until literally just at this very second um because again if he if they grew up with this man to, at least to a certain after a certain number of years or over a certain number of years um and they clearly know what he's capable of in terms of violence and that kind of thing yeah. like maybe this was the only thing i can think of is that maybe this was like a little bit more of a threatening conversation right yeah. like if if they if like because like this happens a lot, right? In these types of situations, where like you know, you have children who are grow up in abusive households, like, like even when you're adults, right? Like the second that that over, over you know, overpowering kind of mentality you know comes out, you kind of revert back into that child of like, okay, well, just like don't hurt me, you know what right. I mean? Like that's that's the only thing I yeah. can think of. But
1: what about the belongings? Clearing out all of her right. stuff, that that threw me off too, because if she's just going on a trip and she's gonna be back. Why, why do we need to yeah. take all of her stuff
0: well but remember that that's true and hold that thought right for for a second there too but like but also too, the fact that they are like the settlement part of the whole thing and like they're splitting up so like he's like clearly like just get her out of the house like we're done yeah that kind of thing so like think about it from that perspective but but you're but you're you're not wrong about that like why not just like let her like she's an adult like let her come back and Take her belongings as is. Right. Um, You know, like herself, you know? But but again, we have questions even more questions and you're gonna have even more questions in just a second so let's get there our grace in but you know again sherry listens to to dominic at first um and she stays hush as it related to what seemed to be her mother just skipping town she returns to the house a few days later to pick up her mother's belongings but is totally weirded out to see that most of her belongings her clothes her shoes her things were gone all that were left were some of her art supplies and a couple of empty perfume containers, and her car keys, though, and wedding ring were still left out on the kitchen counter. And after a couple of days, Sherry kind of comes to that this was not her mother's normal behavior at all, and that something was really wrong here, like actually really wrong. So she eventually clues Beth into their mother being gone and not really being accounted for, and Beth agrees that there was something off about Dominic's story from the very beginning. So they decide to report their mother missing to police on August 31st. Police head out to the Bataraco's home to investigate, and they see Mary's car still in the driveway, and they see that the window was still broken. They ask Dominic about the whole thing, and he sticks to his story that Mary left about confronting him about his affair. He gave her the cash, and she took off, and he smashed the window in a fit of rage. And police say that there wasn't much evidence of foul play at the house and certainly not related to the car. So they end up not taking their car at all into their custody.
1: Okay, so they report her missing on August 31st. So how much time had gone from the time where her daughter went over to the house to this? How long was that?
0: So that's totally not 100% clear. Okay. It's, it was a couple of days. So so um, the last time that they remember um uh, speaking to their mother was on the 19th so only 12 days have passed since the last time that they've like that they like last made direct contact with her um so there's that but so so it's not a hundred percent clear when she goes to the house and like what date that takes place on but it's only a day or two
1: okay but they do the police do take the report
0: yes okay
1: so they just say they didn't see foul play okay
0: correct okay. yeah so they show up to the house and based on the story and based on what they see at the house everything they're just like there's nothing really here for us to document necessarily again I don't really fully buy the whole the whole the window doesn't seem like foul play because you have a missing person and a, and damage to her property right mm, that seems like potential foul play to me yeah. at, at least on the surface level um, but again, this becomes way more frustrating a little bit later on. So we are going to I'm going to say this a lot, Grayson, but just hold that thought for this one for sure, because there are a lot of thoughts to be held. Well, you know, this isn't even, though, the craziest part of what police end up finding Grayson as police are conducting their investigation or start to begin, you know, cultivating what uh, this this situation and this timeline. They find out that Dominic had already filed for divorce.
1: Divorce that quickly? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Dominic had filed for divorce on the grounds of abandonment on August 29th, two days before Mary was, re- was reported missing. And Grayson, again, that's not even the craziest part. This case gets crazier and crazier and crazier with every single layer. Um, because not long after Mary is reported missing, police get wind that there is a new woman and her daughters who had moved into Dominic's
1: house. Just a random... who Who is she? What... What?
0: Well, Dominic tells investigators that this woman is someone who he was just renting the house out to, and plus her daughters came along with her. But shortly after, Dominic goes through divorce proceedings more than a year later, where Mary has was not represented at those proceedings, Dominic actually ends up marrying this woman. And as part of those divorce proceedings, he is granted custody of the house.
1: Okay, so I, I've seen in True Crime Before where there's just like a random craigslist like must be a woman to come ran out my house like that just throws a wrench into this of how did he just get this random woman to come and start living with him that fast Well,
0: (laughs) well listen i mean i think if you ask dominic he would clearly want you to think exactly what you're thinking but in my mind i'm thinking that this is probably the woman who he was cheating on mary with if i take a guess
1: true true
0: so yeah I don't, I think the renting thing in my mind is total BS there's no way that this woman was just a tenant like <laughs> a, like a week after all this happened basically like there's there's no way but like and like again let's go back to that timeline right because um, because he filed for Um, divorce on the 29th, and again, we're not totally clear on when exactly Sherry went to the house. Um, but if I take a guess based on like how things kind of unfolded, it was probably shortly before that, um, if not the same day. And so I kind of, (laughs) kind of the way I see this all, this whole thing happening is like, you know, Sherry shows up at the house, like, okay, things are moving. Okay, well, I might as well file for divorce now to like. Try to beat whatever is trying to chase after me, hypothetically speaking.
1: Wow. So as I know, there are like different grounds for divorce. So in that state is, so it's grounds for divorce if you do abandonment. I know there's like some, Mm -hmm. one of the clauses. Okay. So that, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, would sure. be a good grounds for him to be able to make that filing.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you leave, you know, you just up and leave like you. That's you know, that is absolutely 100 percent grounds for divorce, for sure. Um, and especially if they don't show up to the v- divorce proceedings. I mean, that's a strong argument on your side, for sure. Right. Um, and yeah, and I feel pretty confident. I, I don't know for sure, but I feel pretty confident that's the same thing in every state. If I had to take a pretty strong guess, at least I would like to think so in 2020. But who knows? Yes. Well, at this point, Mary's daughters are worried sick about their mother, and they are fully convinced that Dominic had something to do with her disappearance. And there isn't a single sign of her anywhere. Months to a year after they had last spoken to her.
1: So, I mean, this is a long time after, so surely they can now search through her car and look for evidence after all of this is unraveled now, right?
0: Well. Actually, Grayson, that's going to be pretty difficult to do because they agree with you, right? Investigators are on your side at this point that they should search through Mary's car for evidence of some kind after all this time. But the problem is that that car is gone. Crime Over Wine is sponsored by BetterHelp. As someone who's used therapy for years, I know that finding a therapist can sometimes be a stress on its own, juggling your full-time job, your family, your friends, your podcast, and trying to find the right therapist on top of that can almost feel impossible. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp matches you with a therapist that works for you on your terms. It's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to one of 33,000 licensed professional therapists in as little as a few days. And because finding a new therapist is a lot like finding a new bottle of wine, if you don't jive with your therapist, you can easily switch to a new one at no additional cost. You can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash crimeoverwine. That's betterhelp.com slash crime over wine for 10% off your first month. Join over 4 million people who decided to get help and get happy with BetterHelp. All right, Grayson, how's your Bordeaux tasting?
1: Um, Very good. And I just finished my glass, so I need to definitely top that off because that was a lot. To I told life. you it was a,
0: it was one of so those cases. Yeah. let me yeah. fill
1: her back up. I feel like if yeah. this gets any crazier, I'm going to finish this this nice bottle right here.
0: I wouldn't be surprised because um, there are a lot of twists that we have not even touched on yet. Um, but, you know, the, the, um, the fruit flavors, though, interestingly enough, to me anyways, are kind of dying down. Yes!
1: I was yeah. just thinking that. I don't know. Like, yeah. it seems... I don't, like I said, it's really an easy one to drink, which is good. And it's also getting less dry for me as I continue to drink it. I agree. So that's that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's all kind of blending together a very good bit. Like it's all like all those flavors, like those, because like I felt like like there was like things on like a continuum, and like you have like all, all like these flavors on like the complete op- opposite side of the continuum yes. that were all kind of like mashing together. Whereas now they're all kind of blending it together, and like they're meeting in the middle almost a little yes. bit more. I love how that was it a good changes. analogy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's it is because it's kind of like like a like an art science, right? That like it right. is. Kind of, it's it's cool how it kind of evolves throughout the the glass or throughout the bottle, right?
1: Yes, and that's like drinking a bottle of wine is a whole experience. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Sure is. Sure is. Well, Grayson, this twist, right, that we are about to get into. Um, I hope you have like maybe I hope you bought two bottles oh, of that thing because you're probably gonna need it after this after what I'm about to tell you about. Um, so again, just to refresh everybody's minds, we just left off. Um, and we just found out that Mary's car has. Seemingly disappeared. Um, and so let's find out what ha- happened to Mary's
1: car. So I feel like if this continues to twist as much, I'll just start drinking out of the bottle and then we'll just That's leave fine. the glass. To to the side, yeah,
0: so we're gonna gonna need to do that. So, you know, sometime after August 1984, when Mary was reported missing, and when police ask Dominic about the broken window in Mary's car, the car just simply disappears without explanation. I never saw what Dominic said happened to the car, but there was no sign, according to police, of it ever being sold, no paper trail at all.
1: So my question is, when it, I mean, they looked at it, they saw it was, the window was broken out, and they mm-hmm. didn't take anything, they didn't see right. any foul play, and now it's gone. So, right. I would say the smash window was pretty damning evidence, but then now it, it's gone, so that's even worse for me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, oh no, for sure, right? And like, it seems like, and it, And to be fair, right, like, like, it's a year later, right? Like a year later plus, um, like you know, when you finally decide to revisit this car, right? Like that's a long freaking yes. time. And so, like the fact that it had that it, that there was no paper sale of, trail of being sold is super suspicious. But like, frankly, I'm not necessarily surprised that he that it, that Dominic didn't have it right anymore. Um, but definitely sus- like mad suspicious that it just seemed to be like poof gone like into the th- into thin air. Like there was as though it never even existed.
1: And so. Dominic just said he didn't know, or did did they hear from him? Did he have any explanation? You
0: you know, I don't know. I never saw that necessarily. I never saw, like, I don't even know if they really, I'm sure they asked him, like, they had to have asked him. But I, I simply didn't see what his excuse was you know i mean maybe he maybe he said you know yeah i sold it and that's when they looked for for evidence of it being sold and never saw it mm. i mean that would make sense to me right like i mean i feel like that would be a logical you know like a playoff of like you know hey like i don't have the car because like it wasn't mine i got rid of it like i you know we're, we're no longer we're no longer married it's gone like the, the car is gone like right. who cares you know but like also not who cares because there's I can't even imagine what's in the car do you know what I mean yes I want to know what's I want to know what kind of evidence is in that car
1: yes oh yes (laughs) you know (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, at this point, you know, Mary's daughters are convinced of some kind of foul play involved in their mother's disappearance. They tell WTNH, the ABC affiliate in Hartford, Connecticut, that they are more and more sure that there are people close to the family who know what happened and are protecting the people who hurt their mother. And in 1986, investigators end up getting a pretty wild tip from a jail informant of all people about Dominic's possible ties to a local gang. The informant tells investigators that one of Dominic's sons is a member of the Hells Angels, an international motorcycle gang. We talked about them on the Willie Pickton episode, episode 32 of this podcast. Well, the informant says that Mary had been killed by Dominic's son and one of his friends after the Hells Angels issued a contract on her life at the request of Dominic. The informant says that they followed through on this because Mary was going to go to police with really incriminating information about Dominic. So they wanted to get to her first.
1: So this, sometimes when you're saying true crime, you see with these informants that oftentimes they're just trying to maybe get a lighter sentence, get some benefit. Yep. But I don't know. This seems like it could have some basis behind it. But, I mean, who, who knows at this point? But... Yeah. It it could go both ways. So when I hear the informant thing, I don't know. I take it with a grain of salt sometimes until I get some harder
0: evidence, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, like a jail informant is like the lowest list on my witness list in terms of reliable witnesses. Yes. Um, so yeah, that, I totally I'm 100% hearing you there, too. It does seem like really left field for me, right? Because it's like, it's like you're living this, like, suburban lifestyle. You have a couple of kids, like, you have like a couple of stepkids, you have a wife, like, all this stuff. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden you're a member of a gang. Like, I don't really yeah. understand how this came, where that came from. If you look at pictures of him, like, like sure like, I guess I could see him yeah. in a mo- motorcycle gang but like it just didn't really vibe for me to to be like this is the reason and like what's that incriminating information
1: Right that's true
0: You know what I mean like I don't know I don't I don't really I don't know it it again it just seemed really left field for me and like as far as I know Dominic doesn't have like a criminal history he has like a yeah. history of like again like like female battery but like he doesn't have necessarily like a history of like deep dark crime and like mary to me just seemed like the just like a very normal like suburban wife and so it just doesn't really jive for me that like she would be able to like get the information that would take him down if he was really involved in all that
1: yeah, but also you see, I mean, I I get the whole point of she of her maybe not figuring it out, but then you see these crazy cases with serial killers and big criminals, mm-hmm. and they live a totally normal life, and then all of a sudden they have this. Yeah, that's fair. Double life that they know they are people that are closest to them know nothing about. So. Yeah, you never true. know. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, well, and who's to say like Mary didn't like like stumble across something in his drawer that he that she wasn't supposed to. Right. So yeah, you never. Yeah, that's a good point. Again, I always say we've talked about it before in this podcast I'll t- say it again you don't know anybody a hundred percent even the person you're sleeping next to at at night like you don't know what they like like everyone has everyone has something that they keep to themselves you know what I mean right. And like some of a, some of those things are darker than others absolutely So who knows well as far as I can tell police take the tip seriously enough but they don't have anything to back that up necessarily and when they interview Dominic's son about this who apparently has a long criminal history of arson for reasons I can't really fully explain. He refuses to cooperate, and that friend refused to be interviewed by police at all, but he does agree to take a polygraph test, but apparently he fails that. But I never really saw any, like follow-up there, so I don't really have any answers for you, Grace, and I'm sorry. You know, that friend is later killed in a motorcycle accident, though, but again, investigators don't really seem to be fully convinced that they were going to learn much from him anyways, and seem even less convinced that they had anything to do with Mary's disappearance, at least directly.
1: Well, number one crime junkie role is never do a polygraph test. Right. So, I I see those two, and I'm like, eh... I don't know. Yeah,
0: well, and like I see, right? Like, like the whole point of the of the polygraph, right, is to like try to like like get more information from someone. Maybe get a search warrant, like you know, like like create a, a suspect list. I didn't really see that come from this failed polygraph test, so I don't really know what the point was. To be perfectly honest, it just it feels odd to me.
1: And then it's just it's it's kind of humorous when. He's killed and the investigators are like, well, doesn't seem like we're going to get much from him anyway. So, yeah, it seems like so far, like this informant is like, as you're talking about it, going along with this investigation is probably doesn't have much backing to it. I don't know. Yeah,
0: and yeah, and like spoiler alert, like that's pretty much the last of this theory. Like that's where this theory pretty much dies for you know, that's probably not the best word, but like that's that like it dies with with this guy. So like that's that's pretty much like where we're at. Like that's that's it. Yeah.
1: Um
0: so yeah, so that so again, spoiler alert, that's not this theory that we're going with here at all, but it's still just interesting wilds, like again, left field kind of stuff. Like anytime the hell's the hell's angels are involved, I'm like <laughs> Okay, let's talk about this for yes, sure. Yes, yes. In 1990, Mary's case is officially declared a homicide with some help from the family's local state representative, who lobbied hard for the case to be reevaluated and apparently had even received some threats for doing so, and even said that she had a brick thrown through her window, too.
1: So what changed?
0: I'm glad you t- talked about this because I have actually a lot to say about the state representative. Yeah. But the state representative, um, you know, so, like just lobbied the state, like saw that there was an injustice here, that they were investigating it as a missing persons case, not a homicide case. And so she just pushed really, really hard for um, for state police on behalf of the family um, to to change to flip it over to a homicide um, investigation, to like, you know, turn it over to the murder guy, to the murder investigators, um, as opposed to just like the missing people investigators, because those are two similar but very different things at the same time
1: right right
0: yeah but also so again I'm glad i glad you said that because the state representative with the brick thing kind of I know we talked about we said we weren't going going there but like the whole like Hells Angels gang thing like that seems like organized crime to me right like if you're if someone is like pushing so hard to like you know stick their nose into this homicide and you know homicide missing persons investigation and then all of a sudden you're getting threats from it you know like I if if Dominic really does have those ties to the Hells Angels. Like, maybe those are the people who did this kind of thing, right? Like, it, it wouldn't just be Dominic, presumably, who did this. I, I mean, the the her son doesn't really seem like the most stand-up dude, so, like, maybe he had something to do with it. But, like, point being is, like, is the like like those kind of like if, if if somebody who's like so like far removed from the case but like got themselves involved is now suddenly in the line of danger like that seems like some bad people may be actually tied up here that we don't know about
1: yeah it kind of puts some backing behind i mean the the somebody's out to get her or somebody was out to get her and that's yeah. why she disappeared type of
0: exactly Yeah, a little bit. And like, we're going to shut up whoever is trying to shed light on that. Right. Right. But for years and more than a decade after that involvement, the case ran cold. Mary's daughters had grown up. So did Beth's child without their grandmother to sing them to sleep or to make them lunch. Sherry had gotten married too, without her mother there to see it all happen. And they were both convinced that Dominic had something to do with Mary's disappearance, Mary's murder. But, you know, with nothing to prove that Dominic had anything to do with this case, investigators couldn't do anything about it, and Dominic walked free for years. By the early 2000s, the whole family had come to terms with their new reality, although it didn't stop the dreams of their mother miraculously coming home one day safe and sound, or the hope that justice would one day be done. And those hopes were reignited when police get another tip, this time about a new character to our story. His name is Ernest Dakenhausen, and the tip said that Ernest was responsible for helping Dominic hide Mary's car.
1: That, I mean, being a mother myself, just thinking about her kids and what they're going through with all of this really is, I mean, I can, I can feel just their determination and they don't have the answers and their mom just got up and walked away. And then now this tip has come in and didn't really happen right. with it. So now we have something else. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it'll, it'll lead this uh, somewhere. So do, does it go <laughs> <Yeah>. anywhere? <laughs>
0: well, kind of, you know, the tipster says that Ernest buried Mary's car on one of his properties, Grayson. And so Investigators question Ernest about this, and he says that he does know Dominic, actually, but had nothing to do with Mary's disappearance. And interestingly, he's fairly cooperative about the whole thing, and he tells police where to find multiple cars that were buried on properties that he used to own.
1: So I'm not anywhere specializing in burying cars but i don't yeah. think that that's like a easy af- sunday afternoon event to bury a nope. car like it seems like that has a lot of effort in there
0: oh for sure yeah i mean I'm, i i'm imagining you can't just do that with a shovel right like you are probably buying equipment and doing this whole thing and like and but also again like why are you burying one car let alone multiple cars right like we have so many questions about this Right, like, all of my alarm bells are going off.
1: Do they, so I may be jumping ahead, but do they they look for these multiple cars? Yeah, they
0: do, actually, Grayson. Police end up spending $35,000 to dig up both of the former properties Ernest used to own. And they find a few cars on one of his properties, but not Mary's. And police end up arresting and charging Ernest with interfering with a police investigation for allegedly giving false and misleading information to police about where they could find the cars that he says were on his property.
1: Okay, so one, it's really just blowing my mind that somebody is just burying cars on their property. But then now it seems like this this tip has some basis behind it. They did find something, but now that it wasn't what they wanted, they're maybe not too happy yeah. about it. I don't know. Charging yeah. earnest is a little wild to me.
0: It is a little wild. And I have something to say about that for sure but like the fact that like like because what I'm imagining here right is like why and I don't really fully know how this whole trial played out Um, but what I'm imagining here right is that like the is he probably told investigators um, you know yeah you can find Mary's car on my property next to this tree or whatever the heck it was Um, and it wasn't there right and so like it was like you know he they were having to like do like he, they were probably he was probably messing with them a little bit right yeah. so, like you know oh yeah well my, maybe it's next to that tree you know like that kind of thing, and so like finally they just like dug, dug up the whole thing, found a few cars, not Mary's, right? And so like the so like time wasted, and so therefore you're you're going down for something, yeah.
1: right? And also thirty five thousand dollars, you know that's not pocket change. That's a lot of oh, money no, 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 to no. spend on that. So I I get I get they. You know, maybe a little bit upset about dropping that kind of cash.
0: Yeah, I agree, and also too. So like the the fact that they charge him at all, right? Like, cause I've seen this so many times. It's like textbook at this point, right? Where it's like you like it, like this is like we're twenty five years or twenty. 20- uh, sorry, I'm doing math. Not good at math. Everyone knows. 20 years after, um, you know, after after Mary disappeared, right? Um, there are there is not a single person who's gone to trial, not a single person who's faced charges directly related to Mary's disappearance. And so now they're probably just at the point where it's like, okay, well, let's get somebody in to a courtroom so that way we can start laying out some, some things, right? Like, like having an arrest, having someone to charge um, opens up so many different investigative avenues for you to be able to find more things to, to, to look for. Right. So, to, you know, and, and, you know, di- like open up that, that Pandora's box, hopefully anyways, of Mary's disappearance. Right. So like, we're, you know, we're going after a small fish here, but like to, to, you know, hopefully eventually go after the much bigger fish of this whole entire situation. Right. At least my theory here.
1: And we do see this a lot whenever they get people for little charges and hopefully that they'll figure out something else. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a domino effect. So that that seems to be a common play that I've seen with true crime cases.
0: Yeah, not a bad strategy at all. Um, But, you know, 25 years after Mary's disappearance, this was the first time that anything, again, even kind of related to Mary's case, was in an open courtroom, allowing police and prosecutors to finally get some things on the record about Mary's case. And they take their opportunity to point a finger directly at Dominic. Grayson, can you read a quote from an investigator's testimony in Ernest's trial? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It says, my main suspect at the time is Dominic Botaraco Sr., who is the last person to see the victim alive and had a history of extramarital affairs and domestic violence and who gave inconsistent information to police. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) well, bonkers, right? Because Dominic, obviously not facing charges here. And it's like and like, you know, this Grayson, because you've covered a lot of crime stories, as I have. Right. Like you have to like pull teeth to get investigators most of the time to name a suspect before an arrest has been made. And so the fact that he has been just floating through for 20 years and like you have a lot riding here and you're just going to openly say in open court that Dominic's my guy. When in reality, if you really think about this whole thing, like Dominic isn't really tied to this trial directly in any way, right. shape, or form, right? It's all earnest and it's all about the cars. It is really honestly, I mean, like, if Dominic didn't have anything to do with this, right? Yeah. Didn't have anything, like, this has nothing to do with Dominic in any way, shape, or form. So the fact that they just, like, yeah, sure. Right. It's, it's crazy to me. Like, that never happens. So, so point, so also point being is like, this is either like a real interesting strategy or they must be this freaking close to being able to charge him
1: yeah and and that's curious for me because i've been i've been working with law enforcement since 2018 and so so years of talking with them in major crime murder cases and i can tell you they'll look at me sometimes and say hey i can't tell you this right now this will hurt the investigation right and so I, i don't I don't even know what would be a strategy of doing this. Like what 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 yeah. would be the benefit of that? I don't even know. Well,
0: I don't if there even is a strategy, maybe they're just like saying it, right? Like cuz I thought back to um the Sherry Orofino case, right? Where cuz in that case like like they said like, real frickin', you know, plainly, like, over and over and over again, like, to the newspaper, this that, like, you know, that Ronald was their guy, um, they just didn't have anything to prove it, like, this is kind of the same thing, um, but it's just kind of like a, I don't know, I, I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't get what the, what the thing is, unless, unless... I mean, they—they're just gonna let the cat out of the bag. Is like maybe this is like a way to like put some pressure on people, but like right. also like that's kind of illegal. So like I don't really know. Like I don't know what to. Yeah, like, they could get sued for this. I don't know. It's just weird thing. So so that's why I think like they must be pretty darn sure, um, because because you know to to be able to to risk like a potential libel lawsuit. Right. In my opinion,
1: they've got so. yeah. They've they seem to have something.
0: Yeah. For sure. They've got some cojones is what they've got. Yeah.
1: And I need I need more wine before we continue on. So let me let me take care of that. (laughs) All right. Go for it. (laughs) Resume. (laughs) Well,
0: um, Ernest ended up being acquitted on his charges in May of 2009. But again, this reignited Mary's case when it seemed like nothing else really, you know, was really working to shake something loose here. So, in 2010, prosecutors bring together a grand jury to investigate Mary's disappearance, and they meet well into 2011, hearing testimony from 62 witnesses in all, including Mary's daughters, Beth and Sherry. And while grand jury proceedings are done in private, Dominic gets wind that Beth and Sherry are called to testify, and when he hears this, he decides to call in a favor. And boy, oh boy, Grayson, this phone call is real interesting. Crime Over Wine is proud to support Emancipate. Veterinary care shouldn't be a mystery, and neither should your pet's health. Emancipet's licensed veterinarians have answers to all of your pet questions. In the Vet Ed video series, veterinarians break down topics from spaying and neutering to protecting your pet in cold weather. Learn more at emancipet.org and watch Vet Ed on the Emancipet YouTube channel. Dominic ends up calling a friend of his, who happens to be a judge, right? Like, good friend to have, I guess. The judge used to serve as Dominic's lawyer, but now they're just strictly golf buddies, just friends. Dominic asks the judge if he knows anything about this grand jury that's been impaneled about Mary. And again, judges have nothing to do officially with grand jury proceedings, but, like, legal folks talk, right? And the judge says that he knows nothing about this grand jury, but after a bit of pleading on Dominic's part, the judge says, Okay, let me see what I can do.
1: So it's he's pulling in a favor.
0: He's pulling in a favor, yeah. He's calling a bud, Hey, I need I need some legal help. Can you have you have the end, can you kinda poke around and see what you can kind of find out at the uh, you know about this whole thing but again so let's talk about grand juries here right because like we talked about it previously but like let's put like additional emphasis here because it's like super relevant here grand juries done in private i don't even think of like of the judge like there shouldn't even be a judge in the room as Mm. far as i'm aware again never been in a grand jury hearing because it's so private that way but it's usually yeah. like a group of it's like a, a jury of your peers still a grand jury of your peers that there are long-term commitments um but it's just the prosecutors presenting their case to see if the grand jury is okay with this like all like all bets are off frankly like there's nothing that, that's off the table frankly as far as grand jury um uh, hearings go um you present enough to see if there's if there are if there's enough there to charge someone with, yeah. with a case so that way they can they can go ahead and um and 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 face a trial. um But like judges, again, like a judge does not make a ruling here in any way, shape, or form. And so I don't know for sure, but I feel pretty confident saying that judges aren't even in the room for this whole thing. Wow. And so this was just strictly just, you know, like, what are you hearing? What's the scuttlebug kind of thing? And Dominic is making this phone call. And so that's where we're at.
1: Wow. Okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So the judge apparently has lunch with some judge friends of his, and he asks about the grand jury, learns that it does indeed exist, and calls Dominic back to confirm that there is, again, indeed a grand jury and that Dominic was at the center of its investigation. But that was all that he knew. That's all he could find out for him. But Dominic, at this point, is desperate, right? So he pleads with the judge for his help. But when the judge insists that there was nothing he could do about it and that Dominic was just going to have to wait and see how it all played out, Dominic eventually says, quote, I'm only going to say this one time. It's worth 100 Gs. Wow.
1: So uh, my thing is, is he he so invested in this because he... Did something he shouldn't have or is he just like oh no i i'm scared because i'm named as a main subset like suspect here like i don't know like it could go either way i feel like
0: it really could go either way right but like the fact that he's that he's the center of the investigation right is like super damning the fact that he is making these phone calls and like bribing a judge right like that's a straight up (laughs) bribe find this out for me i'll give you hundred thousand dollars which oh by the way happens to be the same amount of money that you said that that mary ran off with Let's
1: not forget that, right? Oh yeah. Well, maybe, maybe she didn't run off with it then. If he just has that laying around again, we have a lot I of a uh, hundred thousand dollars in cash just chilling in the pocket. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of people who have, two, who have a hundred thousand dollars at the ready two times in their life. But right. also,
1: yeah, like and and sixty-two witnesses. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I I just covered a. a probably a, one of the highest profile cases in our county here in chattanooga and i think we ended up having like like 16 and that was that seemed like yeah. a lot to me i mean yeah at this time what do you have a, a broken window a car right. not here now and yeah, a nobody of and, and yeah. like right. i mean what what do you i mean they're oh, they're not gosh. going off that much.
0: <laughs> no, they sure sure aren't. And like again, I have to um, like I, we say this all the time. Like you know, the investigators know so much more than we do, right? I mean, uh, like period. And so, um, so I'm sure that I'm sure there are a lot of other things, um, to to do here. Um, but like the so you have to. I would imagine ninety percent of those witnesses are painting the picture of the kind of person that Dominic was. Um, and you know, his history of violence, his history of of, of affairs. As so that way you can kind of, you know, let them know who they're dealing with, you know, at the end of the day.
1: Right. And if, if you were going to do, I mean, if it did go to a jury trial when he was there, they would totally play off of that because, I mean, juries right. are oh, people. Yeah. They, they oh, feel yeah. emotions. And so the more you can play on their emotions, the better it is for mm-hmm. your side of, you know, being either guilty or not guilty. So
0: Yeah. No, 100,000 percent. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. The judge, you know, replied, though, you know, in this conversation um, saying, which, by the way, I have to say, was was transcribed in his in in a warrant. Um, And so, like, this leads me to believe that the conversation was probably recorded. So let's keep that in mind. Um, You know, but the judge says that he would do what he could do. But instead of helping Dominic, he instead goes straight to police to report him for attempting to bribe a judge. And police who had been frustrated for decades that they had nothing significant to nail Dominic once and for all, lunched on this opportunity to put him behind bars.
1: And see, this is what we're talking about. This is what mm-hmm. we're talking about with the the little little trinkets where you can get somebody into the jail and right. talk to them. It's, right. it's throwing those breadcrumbs of like, hey, we got you for something, so let's mm-hmm. try to get this to do something bigger.
0: A hundred percent. And at that point, you don't need a warrant to get their DNA. You don't need a, war- like it's much easier to get a warrant to search their house, to search their card, to search their phone, to all that stuff. So yeah, you're hundred percent true there. And it's about to get even That's you're about to get even more evidence of that to Grayson. Mm. So again, hold that thought a hundred thousand percent. Um, You know, Dominic is arrested and charged with attempted bribery, and this is yet another opportunity for prosecutors to get something on the record and to dig a bit more into Mary's disappearance and to hopefully get him on something there, too. The judge ends up allowing the prosecutors to present some evidence in Dominic's trial about Mary, saying that there needed to be some context for this phone call, but it was to be very, very limited, making it clear that Dominic was not on trial for murder. Dominic's lawyer tells WTNH that Dominic had nothing to do with Mary's disappearance and excuses the phone call as a simple misunderstanding, that Dominic was deaf in one ear and that his arrest warrant even points out the difficulty in understanding the context of the phone call because of
1: that. Interesting. Well, I mean, just let's give some kudos to the judge, though. It seems like this is his friend. It's somebody that he's known, and he still does the right thing here, which is, you know, a little bit... Sometimes we lose some faith in the judicial system, and here it's like, okay... Doing a little bit yeah. better. I don't. Like, yeah. I, I like that a little bit. But yeah,
0: and also to be clear, too, like the the judge that we're talking about, who's presiding over the trial, is a different judge that than than the one that Dominic was attempting gotcha. to bribe. Because like okay. conflict so of interest, one one there. This but, is different. But mm. but still, and those both those situations, though, I, I I totally agree with you that like it's that sometimes you don't really know if if you know who maybe may, be, may or not may or may not be corrupt, and like certainly someone who makes a living in any way, shape or form, right, would would it would be really hard to turn down a hundred thousand dollars and instead of just taking it and doing and trying to, 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 to do the to do the slew thing, he went straight to police, so good for him.
1: Well yeah, it's pretty cold in Chattanooga right now. I would love to you know, have a random uh, hundred thousand dollars and go to a beach, <laughs> warm up a little uh, bit. <laughs> yeah,
0: agreed. Um, but you know, but the whole like deaf in one ear thing, I'm calling bullshit, right? Like in my opinion, right? Because like the, um, like like you straight up said that you're going to to like, give someone, quote, 100 Gs, like, this is what this is worth. And, like, you're, like, I don't know. I don't know what the full extent of this potential misunderstanding was all about, but I am simply, like, I'm not buying that. It's just a weird excuse. It's, like, like, just because you're deaf in one ear does not mean that you don't understand what is a bribe and what is not a bribe.
1: Right. And I feel like if... If you have a phone call and you're deaf in one ear, well, then you're just going to put the phone to the other ear. And like, the ear that you can hear from. Right. Right. And I, I don't know. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Putting excuses out there. I don't think we should uh, throw it out. It out yeah
0: right right yeah <laughs> i mean they yeah I, they have to do the lawyer has to do what they can sure whatever cool All right. um but you know the jury doesn't buy it you know dominic is convicted in june of 2013 and is sentenced to seven years in prison but he was released in april of 2016 on parole for good behavior mary's daughters later told the news times that they were satisfied to see him spend just a little time where they believe he belonged, but were frustrated because, you know, that was only a short time and that it wasn't for charges related directly to their mother's disappearance.
1: Right, I mean, they they jump-started that investigation, they got some justice, they got them behind bars, but yet still it didn't lead to them getting any closer to solving the disappearance of their mom. So, and also what he serves three years years. and then he's out on good behavior yeah and now
0: like just to be clear like today he's like good like he's a free man you know
1: just hanging out
0: just hanging out right i don't know and like again i simply don't know right like for sure or or not for sure um that dominic did or did not do this right but like so like you know like keep all that in mind and all this too but like point being of this is that like justice wasn't served on whoever had something to do with it right Right. so you know again neither dominic nor anyone else frankly has been charged with mary's disappearance or her death and even today police are publicly calling dominic their number one suspect mary's body has still not been found neither has her chevy cavalier which surely holds some piece of evidence that would lead us directly to Mary. Today, Mary's name and face is distributed in a pack of playing cards across Connecticut state prisons in an effort to raise awareness about her case, maybe to bring forth some new information that would bring her home for good. So, if you know anything about Mary Botaraco's disappearance, call Connecticut State Police at 1-800-376-1554. We're going to put the number on our website and in our show notes. There is a $50,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest. But for now, Grayson, that is all that we have for you. So, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yes, gosh, her poor family. I just, uh Right. gets it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And super unsatisfying ending, right? I just have right. to say, like, we ended very abruptly, it felt like anyways, but, like, that's what we have. Um right. And, like, I'm going to get it in my soapbox here a little bit, too, because, like, I get it all the time. I get the Facebook messages. I get the Instagram notifications about, like, how they hate when the when the case is unsolved, how there's no, you know, resolution here. But these cases are so important, right? Because especially, yeah. like, I have a lot of listeners in this area. And so, like, there's a very high chance that, like, this episode reaches somebody who... Who may know something, right? Who may, right. or at the very least, know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who may know something, and yeah. so like, so it's so important to keep in mind, right, that we're not just like, you know, like, like doing this to hold to, you know, to make you feel to make you feel something, and like, you know, to hold on to s- some suspense and like be able to go to sleep afterwards because you know that that person was behind bars. Like, you should also be able to listen to these cases and you know, and and feel a little bit of action from this and like know that right. like like by listening to this to this episode. You are helping to spread the word about Mary Bataraco because we need to we need to reach the right people here. We need to put the right pressure on people. I do feel like there is like one thing (coughs) I strongly believe that is going to like push the needle Mm -hmm. over to like finally solving Mary's case and like to put someone behind bars for for this for sure um, I don't know what it is, but like it really yeah. just feels like that, right? It feels like there's like an itch that we're not able to scratch here.
1: Right. And I, I just think about I think about that car. Like if mm-hmm. if from the start, and I feel like that's always like hindsight's 2020. 20, right. And you have investigators who they do this every day and they don't they can't tell when, oh man, this one thing I would have looked at. Could have been the thing that solved the case right. years right. ago, and so it's it's so tough because you have these incredible people who really care, and they're doing this job. Yeah, and gosh, but I'm they're sure people, right? Like right, they're human beings. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that the investigators on this case, especially ones who have been, I mean, know about this, are like, man, beating themselves up of man, if we could have just mm-hmm. gotten that car, maybe we, we could have the solved trunk. this. Right, I know. Yeah. Uh that's. Gosh, it's
0: yeah. always it's so tough it's so tough yeah I don't know I mean I just kind of like flop back and forth in my mind about like what could have like actually happened so I do want to know like what do, what do you what do, where is where is your where does your mind land here Grayson
1: I well okay I'm always the first person you need to look at is whoever is that person's significant other. So Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is, what the evidence is. If I look into an investigation, it's always going to be the person that they're with. And when you see that domestic violence behind it and also the separation, domestic violence is oftentimes built on control. And so if Dominic was losing control, you know, his anger could have gotten out of hand. And maybe even if he did, I'm not, I'm not going to be here and convict him here, but if he is the person who is responsible for her murder, if, you know, his motions got a little bit too hot and heavy, and maybe it was an accident or maybe something when you have somebody who has a past of being abusive, it's all on emotion and anger, so I, I, yeah. I, I can't rule him out. I can't rule him yeah.
0: out. Yeah. Oh, I'm. He's not ruled out in my book in any way, shape, yeah. or form for sure. And I do think that if if he didn't have something dr- to, to, to do directly with it, I feel very confident saying that he knows something. Yeah. Because yeah. like at the like somebody got rid of that car, right? And so so I need to know where the car is. It's. I think I feel pretty confident saying it's buried somewhere. I don't know where the heck mm-hmm. it is. Um, But I I need I need to know that. Um,
1: Yes, man.
0: I also just have to say that, like, wherever the car is, I feel like Mary's not too far away from that from that. You know, like I just I don't know. I don't know. It just feels it just feels like if we find the car, we find Mary. Yeah, That's, that's really strongly how I feel about that.
1: Well, what I feel like people need to look and be like, oh, did you buy this car this year? Because he, I mean, he may have just gotten rid of it and maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe this reaches the right person who is like, oh, no, I bought this car right. for a really good deal. Oof, <laughs> and,
0: a little too good of a deal, right? Yeah. 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 yeah if you bought know. a car
1: for like a couple hundred and you thought, this is man, <laughs> this is a deal
0: <laughs> right, in the right, Connecticut
1: right. area, you, check it.
0: Yeah, Give yeah, it to police <laughs> uh, may solve the I case I don't know <laughs> I, I would think so I don't know I again I just cause if cause what are the odds right that like there is some dude who's in this town who's known for burying cars and there's a woman whose car disappeared and like he knows Do- and that dude knows Dominic and yet a car wasn't buried in the process you right. know what I mean right so that i think that sums it up fairly well oh yeah yeah (sighs) but again i have to say it again i'm just gonna put the number out there one more time if you know anything the connecticut state police um that's the number you want to call it's 1-800-376-1554 the number's on our website in our show notes and that's it and that's 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 the end of the case again i feel i feel like i'm like i feel like i like have one extra thing but i don't um so that's I i mean that's where we're at, Grayson. Um, so I just have to say, you know, um, that's all we got. Um, so tell everyone where they can find you and your work online, if you would want to.
1: If you want to find me on social, I am mainly on Twitter. That's my main type of deal, and it's Grayson on Air. My name is spelled pretty weird. G-R-A-C-Y-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, my mom was wanted to be spicy and throwing a Y into my there name. You go. So.
0: Love that. Well, we're going to tag Grayson on social media and all that jazz. So if you want to go find her, um, go go scroll back through her through social media pages and go follow her there. Um, so you don't have to worry about spelling her name right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, write
1: it down right now.
0: <laughs> right, write it down, write it down. Um, well, thank you again so much for coming on, Grayson. And thank yes. you all so much for for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you are just loving this podcast and are just looking for a way to tell everyone and anyone about it, the best way to help people discover this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week, here's a quick sneak peek. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. And it's me, Blaze Keller. Next week, I am re-entering the crime vineyard, and we have a crazy story for you. Hundreds of bodies found in one of the most unlikely places. We'll tell you what happens at the Tri-State Crematorium. Y'all will not believe this story, Israel, but boy, oh boy, it is. And you'll have to wait until next Wine Wednesday to hear all about it on the next episode of Crime Over Wine.